You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 540. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the Netflix mystery sci-fi series, Bodies. And just so everybody out there knows, we are still on the ballot. (laughs) I know what you're talking about, actually. All right, there you go. We have a better chance Um, of being getting the Republican uh, nomination in Colorado than Donald J. Trump does. Yes. And some people might say, uh, well, you know what? That's a toss-up, though. Yeah. But All right. Just a reminder, we typically record on Mondays, so feedback's got to be in Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Audio feedback has a strict six-minute time limit. All right. Now, we've said many times about uh, – you know, our, our, our varying lifestyles in that, you know, you have four kids, I don't have any. So you, you know, run across a lot of issues that I never have to deal with. So I go out to the mail, right? We all get these, you know, advertising cards for, you know, any of a number of items. Mm-hmm. And I pull out the one. I'm like, okay, I'll look at the bag uh, or back rather. All right. And it's like, little, you know, six little panels. All right. First panel, spark it up. Mm. grown organically on American soil by passionate family farms or potent edibles, long-lasting edible experiences and mouth-watering flavors. Nice. Pre-rolls, slow-burning, convenient, and jam-packed with fun. (laughs) Just the kind of ad you want your kid running out to the mailbox to bring (laughs) into the house. Right. Well, Dad, if they're advertising... Well, Dave, I don't get those types of uh, mailings. I'm wondering why you do, bud. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, and I plus twenty percent off my first purchase. There you go, and a free pre-roll. All right, that's so, the gift that keeps on giving, man. I'm telling you. So anyway, <laughs> all right, um, all right. What I'm watching, I I can't remember if I mentioned this show last time. Uh, we're watching a Danish crime drama called dicta d-i-c-t-e and that's the that's the character's first name she's a reporter and she ends up getting aligned with a police detective and you know helps solve solve crimes but i don't know if any of our european listeners out there have seen the show but i would have to ask whether or not there is a more unlikable character in all of television and you get to a point where you're too far invested into a series to quit there's no such thing and gotta have the courage to do it i know but at this point and and it's almost like she's oblivious to what she's done and the havoc that she's wreaked and okay anyway so you know we got like six episodes to go and then you know we'll finish that up the crown uh, the final part is coming back to Netflix. Dude, I got spoiled. I, I go on to look for something. And so now I know that Queen Elizabeth dies and Charles becomes king. So I don't even know if I need to bother watching the rest of the yeah, spoilers, the rest right? in the series. But uh, yeah. anyway, what are you watching? Well, um, as I've been bedridden pretty much with the flu for like the last four days, I've been watching a lot of football, actually. <laughs> Um, last night's game between the Eagles and the Seahawks was really good. I didn't think it was going to be a good game, but it was, that was actually a pretty good game. I don't know if you watched it, but... Uh, a few minutes. Yeah. And, of course, the Ravens game was awesome because they won. I mean, we're not necessarily didn't play great the whole time, but, you know, they won. So, anyway, 
other than that, I did finish off season two of Leverage Redemption. And pretty much, you know, what I said last week, just really, you know, they, they finished strong, uh, really good uh, two-episode sto- two story to, to finish it off and, uh, you know, introduced uh, some characters who could maybe, you know, add in in the future and everything. And, of course, it's just good. Like the lot, uh, I, I think Freevee is the name of the uh, platform I was oh. watching it on. Oh yeah, sure. I've run across yeah. that. It's actually, like I said, really good. Pretty painless, like you know, thirty second, one minute commercial breaks. You know, not even long enough for me to really think about getting up or anything. Just you know, and uh, so yeah, like thumbs up to Freevee. Uh, for what they're doing, because it looks like they're doing it right, and thumbs up to uh, Leverage Redemption. All right. Sounds good. Um, I did finally get around to jettisoning jettisoning Showtime and Stars. Uh, You know, once Billions finished on Showtime, there's not really anything I'm watching there other than maybe Yellow Jackets, but I don't even know when that's coming back, and... On stars, uh, I want to see the next season of Outlander, but again, don't know when that's coming back. But you know, I, th- I think I'm going to do what you know. I know you do to a certain extent. A lot of people do. I'll wait till those shows come back, yeah. finish their whole seasons, and then get the service for like a month, and right. then go from there. And you know, Directv. I don't want to say I've got no other options because I do. I do have other options, but. I think what I'm going to do going forward is get any of these services through Amazon. I mean, it's the same price usually, right. and and their online presence is, is seamless for yeah. adding and deleting different yeah. services. So, Yeah. The, the kicker is always baseball season, right? That's, sure. That's when it gets tough because the Orioles, with their monopolistic – the Atlantic Sports Network, uh, well, you can only get it through, like, DirecTV or Comcast or, Comcast or Verizon, Fios, right? Sure. So you can't, you know, so it's, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I am going to cut my cable. So I know he keeps saying this, but it's going to happen. I uh, just kind of make the call. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do come baseball season, though. Yeah, you know, will well, I go crawling back to them, or I don't know. Um, you think by this point, they, they, the Orioles would have figured out that, you know, we can get a lot of people if we just have people subscribe to our platform on its own rather than going through these cables. And I know it's, that's very simplistic, and it's probably way more, obviously, more complex than that. But it just seems like, why would you not do that, you know? Well, I think the answer is probably money, and so they must get a boatload of money from Comcast, DirecTV, and Verizon. Yeah, true. So, you know, I, you know, Scott ran across this problem last season, and he just was never able to see the Orioles. So right. he really researched all the possibilities, and it was just, you know, in the end, it would have been cheaper just to, you know, have Comcast or Verizon or uh, – direct tv and he just didn't want to do that so yeah anyway good luck yeah thank you so all right well let's get to bodies episode two of season one titled do you know who i am written again by paul tomalin directed by marco cruz painter 
series was released on October 19th, 2023. Um, so, you know, the title, I, I assume, points to Mannix's question to Iris, but obviously, you know, there are a lot of levels to that question. Sure. And of course, now in episode two, we learn a, a lot more about who he is. And I'm not sure we mentioned it last week. We've certainly mentioned it in other shows, the idea of the bootstrap paradox. Yeah. And that's certainly what appears to be going on. Oh, this is the bootstrapping is bootstrap ever. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, without going into a detailed explanation, you're probably better off just getting your computer, Googling it if you don't know what it is and 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 going from there but i i guess one of my questions do we assume that the 2023 terrorist attack is the genesis of no you are loved no okay so so that's not the genesis of that it's a symptom okay well it's okay. the end that's the end game of Manix's slash Harker's plan dating back to 1890. Okay. So part of the problem we have is that we see Manix in 2053. We see 15 year old Elias Manix in yep. 2023. And, and yep. if you say, all right, tw- you know, he's 15, 30 years. Is he 45 in 2053 oh okay i guess that that's did i do the math right (laughs) right yeah uh, 30 plus 15 is 45 i mean i was an english major but i'm pretty sure you you got your numbers right there Uh, okay but we also appear to see adult mannix who appears to be 45 or so in 1890 right so we have to assume he time traveled from the future well back to 1890 yeah well and that, so, like that's that's funny because I was wondering, did I put together the the Stephen Graham in eighteen ninety Stephen Graham in the future in twenty fifty three? I'm like, well, we know even if we even if we haven't read anything about this show before you started watching it, it's clear from word one that there's going to be a time element to this, right? Sure. So then I'm not surprised that. The guy, and I don't know. They, I don't think. I don't think we actually know. Know if he's the guy in the picture yet. I think if we probably like paused it and got like a, you know, magnifying glass, maybe. But I don't think the people in the, in the show yet have because I think there's actually a scene where they hold a magnifying glass over it, and we see who the guy is in the picture. I don't have they done that. I don't think they've done that yet. Have they? No, they haven't done that yet. Right, right. So we don't like. But if we were like really careful watchers, we would. Totally have noticed that, um, and but also we'd be able to very easily just say, well, there's obviously some kind of time travel going on here, and we don't know if the guy in 1890 is going to travel forward to 2053 or the 2053 guy is going to travel back to 1890. But of course, in a spoiler show that we're doing, we we do know what happens, and that um, you know the Elias Manix goes back and creates his own family his own history he creates everything right well he does but see here here's my my question i i I guess why does he do it why why does he go from 
a future in which he seems to be in charge to go back and set it all up so that he ends up in charge because he has to right because right that's all the recordings right we see the 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 uh the the lp that uh harker was making to himself telling him basically laying out all the things he has to do all the investments he has to make all this stuff you know and everything but honestly dave what i think and this is creepy when you break it down like because we know like you are love right we said last week that that's like that's like really what motivates him right young elias who's whose actual mother rejects him uh we'll see in a future episode um is just looking for love and really what i what he knowingly is doing is going back in time to have sex with like his own great great grandmother you know which is kind of icky when you really think about it okay but is there any hint of altruism in him going back to start this know you are loved movement well insofar as any megalomaniac thinks that they know the right way to do things and that their vision of society is how everything should be then yeah it's not it's not completely selfish Okay, so do well, so where does it all start? I guess that's what I'm still confused about. I'm not, and I don't think we ever get an answer in the eight episodes, yeah. do we? Right. Well, that that's that's a, that's a great question. Where where it starts because it's it's all a loop, really, isn't it? Like I like I that's actually what I'm kind of looking for, Dave, in this rewatch is to see is there a place where you say, okay, this is the prime mover, right? It doesn't really seem like it because you think everything that causes Elias Mannix to become the commander in chief and then be in the position to go back in time to become I can't remember his first name, but you know, Harker in in the past, all that stuff was engineered by himself in the past, right? And his own existence. The only reason Elias himself is in you know 2023 2053 is because he's his own whatever progenitor way back when right yeah sure so i don't really think there is a starting point here right because the causality it's it's just a causality loop completely like there's there's no start to it it's just everything that that caused him to go back in time was engineered by himself going back in time. Right. And, and and that's certainly one of the elements of the bootstrap paradox, the, right. as, as you said, the, the causal loop. Because, you know, in, in a traditional time travel situation, you might say, well, we have the terrorists attacked in 2023. And by the time we get to 2053, the world is a terrible place. And Elias Mannix decides, well, let me go back in time and fix this and improve the future. But that's not really what's going on here. No, because, yeah, right. the, the, the terrorist attack is engineered by himself and his cult, I guess. So they, you know, it's that they, and he himself is the, pushes, literally pushes the button that causes the bomb to go off. Yeah. All right, well, we could keep going on and We on. could, just in one big loop. Uh, exactly, there you go. <laughs> um, now, one of the interesting things in the 20, 
53 story is, is that confrontation that Iris has with her brother. And, yeah. and we learned that the two of them, even though they're apparently half siblings, both suffer from the same, I guess, physical issue. It's that, a genetic. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that she chooses to buy into the know you are loved mantra. And right. because she buys in, she gets the benefits of their advanced science. So right. I guess my question is that apparently you have to buy in or else you live in squalor. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I hesitated. I didn't, I was about to put the word squalor in my notes. I'm like, you know, yeah, the, the wallpaper is peeling a little bit in his place, you know, but it's not like it's that bad, you know, like it's still like just, but it's not like the super fancy high tech place that, that Iris has. Right. And there's definitely a huge difference between the haves and have nots in, in this society. Right. And, and you certainly look at all of the advanced tech that he has, but Iris's comment seems to imply that, he gets the all that equipment through nefarious means right. rather than uh, having you know the wherewithal to purchase it or acquire it legally. But I, again, I just find that fascinating that this movement seems to be everybody should uh, you know enjoy the fruits of you know what society has to offer you as long as you buy in. If you don't mm-hmm. buy into the cult, yeah you're not welcome, which seems to be sort of counterintuitive. And on the one hand, we, we see Iris when she's confronted by Mannix later. Well, why did you join the movement? Well, I wanted to help. No. Why did you really join? And she tells him the truth. I wanted to walk. Mm-hmm. And I love when she tells her brother, the grass is greener. And we don't necessarily really know whether it's true that Iris is lonely. It's not as if we we see eight episodes of just Iris right. and Iris's life. But what little we've seen, like because again, they don't have loads of screen time to communicate something they can do in a couple scenes, and we've seen that she does seems like a pretty lonely existence, right? Well, well maybe. I, I mean, clearly she has some sort of a relationship with the neighbor who you know bangs on her door and just you know (laughs) drops her dog and and weasels her way in because once she's in and they start drinking this isn't the first time that the two of them have probably sat down together and enjoyed a glass of wine or whatever it is they're drinking so i mean and and it's not as if she can be this total introvert and still be a uh you know, successful detective, I wouldn't think. Right. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get that her brother thinks she sold her integrity to simply walk. I think maybe that's a bit harsh based on what we've seen. Uh, you, you know, well, she, she's a lot like Hillingshead in that she's she's dogged in her pursuit of the truth. Yes, that's true too. And she is also ambitious herself. Like she admits as much to her, like her commanding officer or whatever, that lady in the police who, who it's funny. The, I, I see a lot more connection between 
her and Hilling's head than with the other two police officers that are in that story. I think those two are the, the most alike, even though he has a family and she doesn't. Um, you know, the, the, the pressure from, you know, from above to ignore it, to sweep it under the rug, to just let it go, you know, th- that kind of stuff is, is the same there. Um, I just like, you know, what we saw like in episode one and the first, you know, half of this episode, when we see 2053, it seems like, you know, like, I think I actually put my notes at one point, like, well, was, was Mannix wrong? You know, this place looks like it's actually pretty good. You know, we see the, um, the, the, I don't know who that guy is who was speaking on the side of the building, but he's saying, we're all unified now and everyone's great and, and she's watching the show. Of course, the show is clearly a piece of propaganda about the uh, the bombing in 2023. But, uh, you know, again, we're all united now. We're all together. And, um, you know, we, we all are one and everything. And and so I'm like, well, you know, maybe Max's plan was all right. But then we very quickly see the other side and there's, a you know, a significant a population in this society that is not enjoying the benefits that is not uh loving the no you are loved um way of life but we could say on the one hand that that's their choice well is it though we don't know that i mean for right, her brother it seems like certainly it is but we don't know that's seemed like there's a lot of people in that kind of shadier side of town and you know, really, did all those people decide to opt out of you know of the good life or whatever? Yeah, you, know, you, 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 right. We don't know, and and you would think that there's got to be something that you have to give of yourself rather than just saying, you know, yes, I agree that that you know, you know we're we're all together in this, and uh, you know. I, I know I am loved. I love you, or whatever. There's got to be something that we're right, we're, right. we're missing at this point. And, and if it's just like being under constant surveillance, well, it seems like they are anyway, right? Well, because yeah, I mean, they knew that she went to her brother's place, so it's like, well, well it's sure, not like the the freedom people are free. It seems like they're still living in the same state controlled place. It's just their their living conditions are much worse. Well, you know, and the thing is, and and maybe Alan can chime in with this, I've certainly seen dozens of UK crime dramas and invariably they talk about CCTV coverage and granted I understand from a narrative perspective some of these cop shows it seems like the CCTV cameras cover everything. <laughs> But the idea is that people, certainly in the cities, understand that they're under surveillance 24-7. And that's, you know, real in the present, at least the way it's perceived in these shows. So, you know, Alan, you can maybe let us know if that's in fact the case. You know, the, the relationship she has with her brother, I mean, is that what it's, is that what tore them apart? Simply that she decided to buy in so that she could walk and, and have a, a life that he's not able to have apparently. Yeah. It, it seems like it. Yeah. And you know, her, her question about the baby, it, you know, I don't know that she gets an answer about whether or not the baby's healthy. She you know, definitely be, does not. 
Right, because as you said, it's it's a genetic condition. So, right. um, even though they're half siblings, I don't. We don't know which parent was the carrier of the the gene. But uh, and then we get the the deal. What is the deal with Defoe? Yeah. And I, I love that final scene. I'm arresting you for murder. Who's <laughs> yours? <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. It's like, wait, is that? Can you do that? Yeah, but but how how do we explain that at this point? Because she as she says, "Well, do you have a twin?" He's like, "No." Now, granted, I mean, again, we've seen enough shows that he might have a twin he didn't know he had. Yeah. Okay. It's twins separated at birth. But and, I mean, and, they they trace him genetically to like himself. Oh, you believe they were a twin? They'd have the same right. DNA, wouldn't they? Right, but we know because she was just with Mannix and Defoe's lying on a table, they don't expect him to survive. Right. She had her brother run the DNA and, and so that came up. So how do we explain this? And and I don't I can't remember whether we get an answer in the last six episodes or not. Oh how, yeah. Okay, of we, do. we do. All right, I just forgot. Oh, you can say it because hey, we are not spoiler yeah. free tonight. So I I mean this is where this is part I think even the first time through I had trouble remembering, but you know, like Gabriel is like that, like they are building a time machine to try and undo what Harker has done, right? Okay, um, right, and he jumps causes it, right? Because like Harker or Max is going to use said time machine to go back in time. I think I think this I, I this is again this is foggy this is I, I don't like I said I'm not sure if I understood, but, but basically Gabriel is that he is building a time machine um, or or has found one or something like that and uh, so he, he, you know he, he I, I believe that their plan is to go back and try and stop Harker stop this world from happening that that has happened um, and of course. You know, then he gets shot. Ironically, gets shot with the gun that Harker gives him, which is not really ironically because he gives her the gun, knowing that she's going to be the one that shoots Gabe. And that I don't know. Now I'm just getting myself. Maybe I'll just leave that to when they do explain it. But they do. We 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 will get the whole deal of of his role in all this stuff. But he's. It seems like right now he is just like an innocent victim, right? Um, because he's the dead guy. Right. And, you know, if he's alive here, uh, clearly that's not going to be the case for much longer. How does how does he get from the alive guy here to the dead guy there? And which watching the first time, we're like, what? I don't What? How is this? What? You know, you know, that's that's key. I just totally lost my train of thought. There, well, so well you know, the other it. thing that that is always difficult to, I, I guess, think about and we ran into this with Dark as well, where, you know, Mickle, you know, we, we eventually learned that Mickle is, you know, Jonas's father. Right. But the whole idea about whether the same individual can be in the same timeline more than once, if I'm right. explaining myself right. clearly. Right. Like, like you can't. The same person can't exist in the same timeline right. at the same time, right? Right. So can 
2053 Elias Mannix come back and meet his 15-year-old self in 2023. And and again, as we've said many times, well, the, you can he, does, he goes back to 1890. Right, right. But we've said many times time travel creators can make up their own yes, rules. It's right. not as <laughs> it's not as if this is real right. or is it? But but yeah. so 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 then I guess my question is are we then to assume that we've got two defoes who appear to be the same exact age one lying on a table dying with a gunshot wound to the eye and the other confused why he's being arrested for his own murder yeah so i and i i don't know if we get that explained we do we do okay yeah 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 totally okay but like i said like right now it seems like he's like completely the innocent victim when in reality, he is totally involved with this scheme uh, that actually, uh, that's right, Hassan is, is still alive in 2053, and she's the one behind the, the whole taking down Mannix, like, rebellion, and, and Gabe is working with her, um, but right now, we all we see is just a guy who seems like very confused as to what's going on but he totally knows what's going on okay and because mannix asks iris to root out this terrorist cell that wants him dead and, and, and of course you mentioned right. the the gun that he gives her and and at this point you know we're not exactly sure what the purpose he says in case you need to defend yourself but uh, obviously that's not what ends up happening right. as he knows it's gonna happen that way you know we don't see a whole lot of 1890 and and hillingshead you know we get verification that he did not in fact burn arguably the most important piece of evidence in this whole case and which he pretty much what we saw like he was about to throw in the fire but he didn't like "Ah, he didn't burn that like why even go through the bother of trying to make us think like he did right because he just is not the kind of person at least what we've seen of him that he would just do that now would he our officers are right they're they're all very determined in their own way to get at the truth well i'm not sure what to make of whiteman well even whiteman to to in his own way i think yeah i mean if the Truth is planting a fake gear knob with uh, right. somebody else's. Well, okay, I, I, should, right. I should qualify that. He will become that guy. He's not there yet, but when the when when uh, Polly kills that girl, then that that's that's when it flips the switch for White Whiteman. Yeah, and and you know she asks, "Well, can that girl identify you?" And you know, I mean, when she, when she asks that question. And we think back to, you know, the scene where they're in the alleyway and, and I'm thinking like, eh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. But he pauses a few seconds and then says, yes. Yep. And, and there sets in motion a whole lot of wheels. Right. And, and then we're thinking like, all right, is he going to kill her? I mean, it certainly at that point doesn't seem to be out of his wheelhouse to absolutely to kill a child if that's what's going to you know keep me alive and that is when i'm watching the first time i just that is exactly what i was thinking like 
he is totally going to kill that kid. Yeah. Or allow her to be killed by the the mysterious woman on the phone. Right. Now, you know, one of the things that uh, I, I guess really confound me, knowing that we're not going to get a season two, is all the gaps that we have to try to explain. Like, who directs the Morleys to adopt Elias? Yeah, well, I mean, they're all, it's all, I, I think it's maybe Alan who said, like, you know, you start to, one of those things where, like, invasion of the body snatchers, right? Like, right. everyone's in on it, right? Like, um, and, and literally pretty much, I mean, not everyone per se, but a lot of people are, you know, a lot of powerful people. And that's from, you know, Harker buying himself not only into the financial wherewithal to be able to do this thing, but also, you know, he goes back and assumes, um, you know, a member, the identity of a member of the aristocracy. So he is socially and economically upper crust now and able then to manipulate the highest levels of society. And he's been doing it and his crew has been doing it since 1890. I mean, he's been dead since 1941, but he set in motion these events that have been carried out throughout history. Why 1890? I mean, it seems like a long time for this plan to uh, transpire, but... Well, yeah, but, you know, again, that's when he has to... Again, it's part of the the, the, the loop, right? That's when he, he has to go back to it. That's when Harker... That's that's what happened. That's when you know, like that's what he tells himself in the recordings, right? Here's the date you have to go back to, or maybe the date you do go back to. You know, yeah. I'm trying to think with time loops. Do we do we ever know what sparks the loop to begin with? And I guess in this case, we really don't. Yeah, I don't Um, think we do. And I'm that's just I'm looking for it though, Dave. If if it's out there, I'm hoping I'll find it. But I don't think there's any. I think it's it's just uh, the the causality. Just everything causes everything else to happen, and just keeps going in a circle. So until so how, it's broken, right? When uh, when Elias doesn't set off the bomb, that breaks the circle, and then he disappears. And every it, we don't even know what happens after that, really. You know, right? I mean, you know that that question about all right. Well, how is Hassan going to be important to Elias? The way. Uh, his adoptive mother tells her in the interrogation room, it's like, well, oh, okay. I mean, so we, we kind of see moving, you know, when, when we see Hassan in 2053, we, we kind of get that. And, and I guess there are just naturally going to be gaps, but the one that, that puzzles me, how does Polly go from being the daughter of an honest cop to the yeah. voice of know you are loved? Right. That, that, it's, I actually put that down because I couldn't remember. Because seeing that, because she's really close to her dad, right? Yeah, they sure. obviously have a great relationship. She's very close to him. Um, she knows that Harker is the person that is basically, you know, responsible for. Was her father executed? I, I can't remember. Right. Or in jail? I can't. Or he was killed. He was killed getting transferred, right, or something like that. He was killed, not executed. He was killed like in, in custody, I believe. But anyway, and she ends up 
being with the dude and ultimately finds out that he's responsible for her father's death. But yet she's totally on, you know, team Elias or team Harker or whatever. I, I can't remember how that happened. I can't remember how he worked that. So that that's one thing I'll get to, to find out again. I mean, she's going to end up being an adult that lives through World War One, and, and certainly all the horrors that that go along with that. And yeah. and granted, uh, you know, England. Yeah, but she was in you know Britain. Right. right. I was going to say England proper didn't necessarily suffer the way you know Belgium and France right. and, and Germany did. Of course, tremendous loss of of life and, and a, a whole generation of young men, but not the. Uh, but not as much uh, as a toll on the civilian population and right, infrastructure. Right. right. So does that have anything to do with that? Is it, again, you know, you mentioned the recordings that, that we see towards the end of the season and, you know, the whole idea of that, that you know, th- this is, you know, how everything gets communicated to, to what the plan is and, and all of that. But, at some point, doesn't somebody have to come and convince these people to buy into this plan? Right. And and Mrs. Morley even says something when she's in the interrogation room yeah. that kind of implies that, you know, I had my doubts, but. Yeah, gosh. And then you showed up like and then boom, they just they said that it was going to happen. Right. Right. But on the on the one hand, OK, but on the other hand. Look at what you've agreed to do yeah. leading up to this point. Yeah. Not not including biting off her own tongue, which was and, and not apparently feeling any pain. So, you know, maybe yeah. she popped a couple Vicodin before, but Yeah, maybe. I don't I don't ugh. That was crazy. So anyway, the the the, the actress playing um was Eileen, I can't remember the name is her mom. Uh, Kate Ashfield, I don't know if you recognize her, Dave, but you have definitely seen her before because we did a podcast covering Shaun of the Dead, and Kate Ashfield was the lead actress in that. He was Shaun's girlfriend. Well, I don't remember. I mean, I remember doing the, the podcast and watching the movie, but... Sounds like time for a rewatch, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Mary will love it. Shaun of the Dead is like the perfect movie, man. You gotta go see it again. I might go watch it again. You, you know, I'm telling you, I, not to digress, I was saying this to my brother when uh, I visited him today that I, I just can never get a handle on what my wife is going to like. Um, <laughs> and and whether it was Game of Thrones, which I know I've mentioned in the past on the podcast, um, uh, I'm, I'm watching this Netflix documentary called Quarterbacks, where they um, kind of follow along two, three, uh, three quarterbacks during the 2022 season. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, well, she's not going to want to watch that. And, you know, I would be wrong. It's like, How is that, by the way? Uh, it's pretty good. I, you pretty know, they, good? Follow, they follow Mahomes, uh, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. And so you've got the one guy arguably. <laughs> Which of those three is the not top, long, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, the top quarterback. Uh, in, in the league, you've got one guy that's been pretty successful, but apparently sure. can't win the big one. And then you've got a guy that won the Heisman Trophy, but has been a disappointment as a pro. And the listeners are saying, uh, that's enough. Get back to the main topic, right. bodies, which we will do at this point. But anyway, yes. 
Yeah, and, and you know that that scene with the business card where they both pull out the same Harker legal and they just tap it with their fingers, and and yeah, I mean that's kind of cool, and we, and we we certainly. Yeah, at this point we don't understand the significance of the Harker right. legal. Well, but, we do. Well, wait, I'm saying it, it, right, but you know the first yeah, time, first time through. through, no clue. Right. Well, that's a that was the absolute beauty of bodies. Actually, is that for how much of this series was I completely baffled? Right, like no idea what was really going on at all until almost like the very end. And how they they still, like, because that can be, you know, like, that can be frustrating too, right? Some people might get frustrated and say, this is BS. I don't don't get it. I don't know what's going on. F this. I'm not watching anymore. But I just, the characters are so compelling that it just keeps you involved in it, even though your brain is just like, I don't know what's going on, you know? Yeah, I mean, but they'd make it all worth it in the end, though. I thought. Yeah, it's your turn with Elias now. Promise to let him know he is loved, and we're thinking, all right, what does that mean? And you know, does it mean you're the one that's going to have to bring him to justice, or you know, you know, because I mean, they've only got circumstantial evidence at that point, right? They've got the 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 pictures, the CCTV coverage of him appearing to give uh, Saeed the gun. They've got them together in the mall. You know, I'm not sure how all that stands up in a court of law, but, you know. Yeah, it's, it's pretty solid evidence there for well, something. Yeah, it is. But, uh, you know, what What else? Yeah, so, well, I, the, the dream that he has, right? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a dream that... He has to kill a little boy. He didn't want to, but he had to. And I'm like, you know, that actually works on a couple levels um, because there's the one where he has to kill like loads of little boys, right? He pushes the button to set off the bomb that's going to kill millions of people. On the other hand, ultimately, he's going to face the choice of killing himself, basically. Not literally killing himself, but by not setting off the bomb by not pushing the button, then he erases his own existence. So I thought that that was, I mean, obviously at the time we watch it, we just think this kid's a freaking nut, right? Uh, But in our spoiler uh, vision of it, uh, we can see that that's actually a really kind of a pretty excellent line there to, um, you know, that works on a number of levels. All right. What else? Um, so, uh, Iris's neighbor, I don't know, you've, you've seen the, the Truman show, right? I have not. Oh, what? I know. Seriously. Wow. We should, we got, maybe we, we need to do a podcast on that just to, so you can watch it. Dude, I am genuinely shocked by that, oh. Dave. But anyway, in the Truman show, Noah Emmerich plays Truman's neighbor, Marlon, and he's always, you know, the whole, you know, the concept though, right? Like Truman is. I do. Yeah. Uh, the uh, a little boy uh, f- from his birth has been raised inside a TV show. His whole existence is a, is a TV show, a TV set. And he's never left it and everything. Um, and so, and all his friends and neighbors and his wife and mother, they're all actors and actresses and everything. So his, his neighbor Marlon will come in and every time he, 
he kind of like the first thing he sh- he his hand comes in the door with a uh, a six pack of beer because like all the advertising they have to do is like you know within the show so they have to like show off stuff um so it just reminded me so much and, and I should have been more suspicious of her neighbor because she seems so much like Marlon from uh from the Truman show right and we of course learn she's in on the fix so sure yeah of course of course she yeah. is by statues right yeah. um you know I, the, the that scene where uh she has I I don't know what she says what well, to us would be an Alexa and she says vintage and it starts playing walking on sunshine by Katrina the way she's like no 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 I thought was was very very funny even though I I like that song a lot uh but uh, I thought that was a funny scene there Oh my god the uh in the the future when I can't remember who it is uh, one one of the cops says that uh you know they're talking about uh, when all the police are meeting together at the beginning of the day and it seems like the cyber criminals in 2015 Oh, oh, 53 are about the millennials. millennials. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they're getting a little long in the tooth. That is freaking hilarious. Yeah. That is so funny. That is going to be the next thing I say to my kids when they say something to me about how old I am. And I'll be just like, well, just you wait. Just you wait till you're on that end, whippersnapper. So. Oh, the, uh, the also the scene where um, uh, Polly starts playing her music hall music and uh and alfred is just like what is that noise right <laughs> like it's just it's just so funny because like that's like right every generation's prerogative is to kind of like think that the the next generation's music is is terrible right, right. And, and polly makes some kind of comment about you know getting their attention i think he says something about yeah or you're gonna put them uh, kill them or whatever I mean, we talked about the yeah the the you know the LP records that and was it Crabapple campsite? I can't remember if that was yes that um, you know that will take on a, a much greater significance uh, later. We see Alf, Alfie and Henry are teaming up finally. I think that's yeah. I think I think that's about all I got. Like for now, like I think. I think we talked about a lot here, man. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to listener feedback, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the miniseries Bodies, Season 1, Episode 2. I didn't go further into the Quentin Tarantino rabbit hole. Two kill bills was really enough for me. Too violent, too gory. And Uma Truman was really the reason for me watching that. And she is not so much in his other films. I did watch on the Orphan Black Echo series. I'm at episode 8 of 10. Really nice is the same composer, Trevor Yule, who is giving this special Orphan Black a music background. The story is a little, no, yeah, actually quite different. Kirsten Ritter is doing very well. And also the young actress that is playing uh, Jules is is doing a nice job. I don't want to spoil too much on it, but uh, it becomes very nice. Uh, you, You have to take a few episodes and then you're really into what is happening. And it's an exciting concept. Okay, let's go into Bodies Episode 2. 
First off, a remark about Iris Maplewood. The actress who plays her is a quite tiny person and also has a young impression. So she doesn't really feel for me like a grown-up adult, especially not as a police inspector. And that contrast is even bigger because you compare her to the other three. I must admit I have a little difficulty giving feedback. I notice that I can't really speculate, and that's often what I do, because I know what's happening. So I don't know if I like this concept that much. Although giving feedback for the first episode was not that difficult. One of the questions here I have is more, in the same way I wondered if we could see that Barber will make a 180 turn later and belongs to the Cabal, and we actually can't see that. The same question I have here, more or less. Can we see that Elias is the later Commander Mannix? Have we any indication here? So most of my feedback is more or less, can we already see what we know later? Did they plant hints here? Or did they make little mistakes, which actually gives away what is going to happen? I don't know how you always do it for series you really know the content of. But as said, most of them are from longer ago. So you have forgotten half of it yourself, or even more. Knowing that Barber is belonging to the Manix Cabal, you really could wonder if he doesn't let Sahara Hassan go to the camping site, because he knows there will be an explosion, but he perhaps also knows which important role she will play in Alias's life, so in Commander Mannix's life. Did Elaine Morley say too much, and after that she bites off her tongue, or was this all play, in the sense of that she planned to say too much, so that the explosion would take the life of Rick the end was funny, of course. I'm bringing you in for attempted murder. Whose? Well, yours. Crazy thing is that in 2053 you can't be taken captive more or less by your own car. Or a cab car, whatever. Talking about a police state kind of society. A society Iris's brother tries to escape and he just accepts his disability. Which obviously is kind of genetic because they both have it, and it's an open discussion if the baby also has it, but it, it looks a little bit like it. Okay, that will be all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Hello to Dave, Wayne, and everyone listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Alan from England here, with feedback about Bodies, Episode 2, Do You Know Who I Am? I'm still watching the titles. This time it shows the eye transforming into what I first thought were three streetlights, but are in fact more likely Maplewood's exospine. The title, Do You Know Who I Am?, is asked by Commander Mannix to Maplewood towards the end of the episode, and is a much more profound question, or at least has a much more profound answer, than you might usually expect. As we learn that 2023 Elias Mannix is also 2051 Commander Mannix, and also populates earlier time periods. In fact, you could say that Do You Know Who I Am is more profound than even Mannix knows, because he's not aware of all that yet. As 2023 Hassan and the police check out Elias's home, it sure is spooky that he has all those photos of Hassan and her family pinned up on his door. 
in the classic serial killer style, but obviously left there for her to find. Possibly even put there by his adoptive parents rather than him, who we learn are in on the whole thing later. They don't really ever act completely normally, in my opinion. 2051 Maplewood isn't happy, not even with her Internet of Things gadgets like the music or the intelligent fridge. When a seemingly hapless neighbour, Lorna, comes over and is nosing about, it's bad enough, but then in a later episode, she also turns out to be in on the whole thing. It's like that bit at the end of the 1970s Donald Sutherland version of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers movie, where it just seems hopeless, because like everyone seems to be involved. It's here we first see Maplewood's spine technology without fully realising what it is yet. That whole United Britain vibe doesn't sit well with me. We do like a royal procession, but we are deeply distrustful of any other kind of state-organised celebration. You know, we don't swear allegiance to a flag or the state. We are really quite a not-very-united kingdom much of the time. From the TV news, we get the feeling that the absolute greatest advantage had been taken by the state in the wake of that 2023 bomb, in terms of maximising security at the expense of any liberty. 1890s Hillinghead appears to go along with what is expected of him for now, but he doesn't like it, although he has some apparent domestic bliss to ease things, well, until Ash turns up and upsets everything, of course. Whiteman really is ruthless in throwing that gear stick knob so that Cousins catches it, getting his fingerprints on it, seconds before he gets shot, and then he's framed, of course. Although things don't look so good when that girl witness turns up. It's hard to know if 2023 Elias's nightmares are a result of what he's learned, or is a trigger for it. And it's still not clear to me how much he knows at this point, and how much is being set up by those around him. His adoptive parents play tough prisoner and brittle prisoner. When the mother snaps, it's a really great performance by the actress playing somebody playing somebody. You know, playing a knowing character who is there playing a naive character. That was a really great job. On a rewatch, we can see that Barbara stops her son going to the campsite. Is that because he knows about the imminent explosion? On the other hand, he goes into the camperman himself, and he did seem genuinely startled to think there was a trap. I've now managed to avoid watching the instant when the adoptive mother seems to bite her tongue. I've looked away three times now, and I've <laughs> got to keep it that way. We see 2051 Maplewood having similar issues with authority to 1890s Hillinghead. And we see how her life and that of her brothers have diverged because she took the technology and he didn't. I'm not quite sure what the point of Defoe still being alive is. I can't now remember if he awakes later in another episode or contributes anything further. Being a professor of quantum gravity presumably means he's working on the unified theory between uh, quantum theory, that of the very small, and general relativity, that of the very large or massive or fast. In science fiction, all we normally need to know is that anything with the word quantum in it means there's some kind of spookiness about to happen. It does lead to a great little exchange, though. Maplewood says, I'm bringing you in for attempted murder. Defoe, whose? 
Maplewood, yours. I did like that bit. Take care, Alan from England. Now, you know, Alan in England brings up the fact that it's still not clear what the purpose of Elias leaving the photos of Hassan and her family is uh, and how it shapes her future involvement. I mean, I mean, I guess on the one hand, you know, we see how things turn out later. And, and uh, on the other hand, uh, it's just kind of creepy. Yeah, well, it's it's yeah, totally creepy. Uh, do, you, do you notice the poster that was in front of it, though? I don't remember. It was uh, David Bowie, the man who fell to Earth. Oh, okay. Which is cool, uh, suspicious. A fifteen-year-old kid with a David Bowie poster, really? Yeah. But um, very cool, though, and uh, also like the man who fell to Earth. Like, you know, again, does that work on multiple levels? Like, you know, is Elias Mannix, is he the man who fell to earth? Is Gabe the man who fell to earth? Like, you know, all kinds of uh, possibilities there. But I, I couldn't remember. Yeah, when he said that, I, I, I can't remember how much really Elias is in on it at this point. And I don't think he is so much in on it at this point. I think he's being directed, but I don't think he really knows why or to what end. Um, because he does have that moral choice to make. When it comes down to it, when he has the phone in his hand, you know. Right. But somebody is able to convince him at this point to do what he's already done. Absolutely. How? I mean, we don't get an answer, but. Well, one way you can say is because it's already happened. Well, yeah, right, right. But on the (laughs) one hand, that's such an unsatisfying. That is very unsatisfying. Answer. (laughs) Um. Yeah, like yeah, I don't know. But I I think just well because him in the past knows everything as it has to play out, and he's recorded that he's told everyone here's exactly what has to happen. He's even telling like what to invest in and when. Sure, you know this is all basically being directed, and and he's just being led to do what he has to do. Um, and now Fred has once Wait, again. Hold on, there's, there's one oh, thing yeah, I want to say ahead. about Alan because Alan did something that I actually was in my experience when I, I went to uh, England, and um, you know I was I had some friends over there and we were talking and somehow this pledge of allegiance uh, came up, and when I told them about, it, they were freaking horrified. They were like, "Oh my god! Like what? You do what?" And they they made me recite the pledge of allegiance. I did like oh my God, that's the most fascist thing I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, and I never thought of it like that, but then I did. I'm like, yeah, what are we doing? Like every day we stand up and put our hearts, uh, our hand over our hearts and pledge allegiance to a flag. Like that, that seemed crazy. You know, I like, so uh, yeah, like what you had said there, Alan, I, I, I uh, back that up wholeheartedly that, that English have a deep, deep distrust of uh, any kind of state, uh, controlled kind of ceremony outside of obviously your uh, your monarchical uh, ceremonies. All right, now Fred. Every time he mentions Orphan Black Echoes, I, I know I say, "Yeah, I need to look into that." So, honestly, now that I got rid of Showtime and Stars, I might have room in my streaming service lineup to add something. I'll have to figure out what service that's even on, but. 
Yeah, it's about oh. this. What is it on? Yeah, I don't know. Is it available to us yet? Was it? I thought because I thought it wasn't available before. Is it now? Um. Well, I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to look into that. But All right. uh, figure it out. Let me know. Yeah. Um. And then you know, like Fred mentions about you know what what you've mentioned several times during the discussion that that the beauty of doing it the way we're doing it is you, you know we're looking for clues that right. we clearly would you know miss the first time around so well like like fred mentions like barber making hassan stay put and not go to the campsite right wow you know, now it's like oh okay i get it. but you know, the first time uh it, it's still even the, even at this time there's nothing devious seeming about it his reason for her not going is completely rational right it's not like some made up thing. It makes sense, like why she should stay back and not go. But we know he's not letting her go because he can't have her being the one in that camper van when it blows up because she has to live because she's so important for the next 30 some years of history. Oh, okay. Uh, Orphan Black Echoes, and I guess Fred must have uh, flown over to Australia to, to watch that. It, it it's hasn't- possible. Yeah, it, it's set to premiere on AMC and BBC America in 2024. So Okay. Yeah, so he must have gone to Australia to see it. Uh, it That's right. He's probably got some friends there, you know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, Hang out, binge for a couple of days, go back. Yeah, yeah, premiered on my birthday. Nice. 2023. Nice. So, All right. Uh, you want to do grades now? Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it an A. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I started thinking like, well, you know, maybe A minus. And then, you know, as you often say, well, okay, why? Why? <laughs> 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 why am I why bringing a minus into it? So, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll both go on A. Um, you know, and every time I, I get on Netflix and I'm thinking, what do I want to rewatch? You know, there's so many good shows out there that a rewatch would be fun, you know, not for podcasting or anything like that. And of course, as we're doing bodies, I'm thinking like, oh, I should go back and rewatch Dark for like the fifth time. (laughs) I mean, is there value in going back and looking at Dark again? I, I feel like Dark is just, I mean, as many times as we watched it. Every time we watch it, I think we picked up on something yeah, else, right? Yeah. You so, know? yeah. Maybe I'll like Thor Ragnarok. I'll just point out. I I don't even know how many times I've seen that movie, but when we watched it again uh, two weeks ago, I still uh, a enjoyed it just as much as always, and b uh, picked up on some new stuff too and everything. So, yeah. So. I'd say go for it, Dave. All right. All right. Well, Alan, Fred, thank you so much for the feedback. Um, Unless you got any last-minute thoughts, we'll go ahead and sign out of here. Um, I don't think I have any thoughts at all. Okay. So uh, by the time you hear from the two of us, Christmas will have passed. Hopefully, if you celebrate it, you had a wonderful time. Uh, If you certainly celebrate uh, Hanukkah, I guess, which has already passed, right? Um, Hopefully, you... Had a joyous Hanukkah. Just say, everyone. I hope everyone has had or will have a, a wonderful holiday. Right. So, 
But that'll do it for us on Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about bodies, Ragnarok, uh, Ragnarok, uh, Thor Ragnarok, whatever. Uh, <laughs> check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next time to talk about episode three of the Netflix sci-fi thriller Bodies. But until then. You know, actually thinking about like, you know, Fred and, uh, you know, Orphan Black and everything. I have to admit, Fred, that your resourcefulness is impressive. Illegal, of course. <laughs>